TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. 7 a.m. On a Friday, Braden Soprano filling in for Ben and Woods. They are both under the weather, so I got the show until 10 a.m. where Andy Nelson will take over my usual time slot. I will not be on with Andy Nelson today. Instead, I will be with you guys until 10 in the morning. And then Adam Klug will be here all day as he will be with Andy Nelson coming up a little bit later. Do you want to mention in this hour, Ben and Woods usually play Take on Woods. We will not be doing that today. For all of those that qualify to take that Take Down Woods, you are registered for a grand prize. Two nights stay at the Westgate Las Vegas and two tickets to Air Supply. With a legacy spanning decades, Air Supply continues to captivate hearts. Now in their 45th anniversary year, the duo continues to play more than 130 shows a year worldwide. Join us in celebrating their music and enduring legacy on May 31st and June 1st. 2024 at the Westgate International Theater at Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino features newly designed premier rooms, part of their $70 million room renovations, home of legendary Vegas fun. It's part of Take on Woods each and every morning. Again, not doing that today. Woods is not here, so we're not taking Woods on. Joining us now on the hotline, live from Arizona. We had a, I guess we set his alarm off. That would be the one, the only Sammy Spring Training, Sam Levitt, joining us today on the hotline. Talk to us a little bit about Padres Spring Training with a lot of the members of the Padres showing up today. Sammy, good morning to you. How are you doing? Hey, Braden. Good morning. And uh, I have to say, I, um, I, I, so far it's been a late start here at Spring Training, but we are back to. Uh, sort of a normal schedule with uh, things starting earlier this morning. So I'm already at the complex, and I saw, a, you know, a, a kind of like a toll-free number calling me this early, and I said, that that must be spam, right? And then I, of course, forgot that I was supposed to talk to you at a 7 a.m. local time. So sorry about that, a minute or two late. Um, but, yeah, everybody will be here today. It's the first full squad workout. Um, you know, the, the good news is that mostly everybody uh, is already here uh, as of uh, Wednesday when we last saw them. No action uh, here at the complex yesterday. But everybody's been here for, for a few days, and, uh, but officially we get it rolling with the full squad workout. And I'm sure Mike Schilt will have uh, some sort of address for the team. Managers usually do. And uh, we, we sort of post pitchers and catchers officially get it rolling here today. We're joined by Sam Levitt, who is the pre- and post-game host of the San Diego Padres Radio Network, who is live out there at spring training in Peoria, Arizona, seeing all the big boys roll through, all the position players as they will finally uh, report to camp today, pitchers and catchers on Sunday. We saw a lot of different players already show up. That seems to be a new popular thing, obviously, to get there early. 
Uh, just a recap of the week. I mean, who are some of the players that uh, obviously the Padres are not anticipating to you know wait for for today? The guys that have already jumped in and, and got some early work in. Um, I know we've seen some different clips that you have posted throughout. Um, you know, the last couple of days, but you know, who are some of the guys that got out there early uh, to start working on camp? Yeah, on the position player side, I mean, Manny Machado was here a few days early. Jay Cronenworth, Hassan Kim, same thing. Fernando Tatis Jr. got here earlier in the week, and and all those guys have, from the position player standpoint, been doing sort of their their own thing and and getting work in how and and when they want to which is usually what happens when it's still just pitchers and catchers who officially have to report but there's certainly been a lot to take away just from watching those guys do drills on the backfield uh, late in the day uh manny machado i think one of the the you know bigger storylines so far from this week has been he looks really good and he's throwing and it looks really good now, you know, I don't know that it's, uh, you know, full force throws for Manny, and, and certainly there's, you know, still a rehab process going on as far as uh, what he can do day-to-day, it sounds like, and getting his arm used to the repetition of throwing every day and getting him prepared uh, for the, the course uh, of an 162-game season. So there's still you know, no guarantee of anything. Mike Schilt, Manny Machado won't guarantee that he's going to play third base in Korea or play third base on opening day at Petco Park, but there's no doubt that he is in a very good spot right now. And quite frankly, when you watch him, he looks really good. So he looks good. Everything they've said about him, Manny said, sounds good. So he appears to be right on track or ahead of schedule as far as the rehab from uh, the elbow surgery at the very early part of the offseason. Jake Cronenworth is out there getting work in it, second base, then first base, and he's, you know, all over the place. And he said that, you know, like, like you know, he's, uh, you know, said in years past, he is ready to play wherever this team needs him to play, which, you know, you expect from Jake. And, you know, look, I thought when Jake formally spoke to the media the other day, I, I thought he had some some pretty interesting comments about, you know, acknowledging that last year was not the year, you know, he wanted and that he had to get quote-unquote vulnerable uh, in the off season and, and really go back into the lab and, and work on some things. And, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, he certainly learned something from last season. Um, so it was good to hear from him and hear all of that. And, you know, then Fernando Tatis Jr. has been out there, you know, hitting and, and doing all the normal Fernando things he does. And then obviously it's been just, you know, sort of light work before the full squad workout. But, you know, the thing I took away from Fernando so far here at spring training is that he seems supremely confident and clearly had a great offseason and put in a lot of work and obviously was healthy throughout the offseason. And I, I think he was pretty transparent when he talked about last season and in talking about how he was just searching and searching and searching for his swing and, and never truly got comfortable. And with all that said, he ended up winning a platinum glove with the transition to right field. And you look at the numbers, they weren't typical Fernando numbers. They weren't peak Fernando numbers, but they were certainly pretty solid considering all the factors for him heading into 2023. So, you know, I know this is a, a long answer, kind of touching on all these guys, but uh, with Fernando, he seems supremely confident in coming off a great offseason, and certainly that doesn't, you know, uh, quell any 
belief, I, I think, around here, and, and quite frankly, I think for, for a lot of us on, on the media and, and analyzing side of things, that he is primed for a really, really, really big year. So from the position player side, most of the guys have been here early, and so far, so good. Sam Levitt joining us on the hotline here on 97.3 The Fan. I'm Braden Soprenit filling in for Ben and Woods this morning as we get a full preview of spring training throughout all of spring training. Sam Levitt's going to be out there in Peoria, Arizona. Today is a significant day because position players are reporting. You want to get that out there yet again. But I do want to ask you, Sam, you know about the difference of this year. I know it's still early. Compared to last spring training and a lot of the videos that you're putting out and a lot of these press conferences, the narrative seems to be the same where the players seem to be a lot more focused in on the task at hand where like last year almost seemed like a wake-up call and going into this season, it's a lot, lot different, at least it seems like from the vibe of the team than it was last year in terms of being able to take care of business, focusing on what we need to control and, and really, you know, taking it a little bit more seriously than last year. Not that they haven't, but, but despite the press conference stuff, which a lot of it could be eyewash, what have you noticed in a difference? And I know it's still the first week between last year covering spring training for the Padres and yeah. this year when it comes to the mentality of this organization? Yeah, I, I think I think there's certainly, you know, maybe a, a more humble nature, uh, you know, around here this year when you compare it to last year. Not not to say that last year, you know, guys or, or the organization was boisterous. Certainly there was a lot of hype, and rightfully so, and we know what transpired, and we know – Quite frankly, what a disappointment last year was. There's no way around that. Um, you know, but there does seem to be, you know, sort of a more humble nature in the sense of, you know, understanding that, number one, you know, this team and, and a lot of these guys have something to prove in 2024 and understanding that, you know, this team got, got punched during last season, it, you know, really never found a way out of it until it was too late and in, in September. And we've heard a couple of guys, you know, mention that they didn't deal with adversity really well. You know, they, they struggled to come out of that hole. They struggled to deal with adversity. So, you know, I think there's been a lot of acknowledging that, that, you know, that was an issue um, last season. And, and look, we've heard the word togetherness and you're right, Braden. It's, it's a lot of the cliches that, get thrown around this time of year but look you know they can only say what they can say and you know so far it's been everything you'd want to hear after last season in the sense of using words like togetherness talking about finding an identity early and I do think Mike Schilt you know potentially brings a, a bit of a different energy than let's say Bob Melvin um, you know and that's not to say that Bob Melvin wasn't preaching you know unity and togetherness for his team at the outset of last season but I do think Mike Schilt falls in line with, with wanting to play a certain way, uh, wanting to uh, be efficient, wanting to pay attention to detail, and wanting this team to have an identity really from the get-go. I, I really feel like that's something you know, that Joe Musgrove, for example, talked about earlier this week. He, you know, he was saying that, that you know, certain uh, – well, I'm trying to think exactly how he put it. He said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, that basically certain, you know, the, the, the goals and the way they wanted to play and, and their identity, they, those things weren't talked about 
out loud enough. And it sounds like those things are being talked about out loud more this spring training than last spring training. Whereas it sounds like maybe last spring training, you know, there was more of a feel of, of it was just going to happen. The talent was there. And, and even when they got off to the, the, the bad start, it was just going to turn around because that's the way baseball is. And as we know, just didn't really happen. Um, so I think there's definitely an emphasis on finding an identity of playing a certain way and, uh, you know, playing as a team, uh, you know, certainly. And I do think having a new manager certainly brings a different tone in and of itself. Let's talk a little bit more about Mike Schilt. I mean, he seems to be saying all the right things, obviously, in the media. And we've heard a lot of good things about Mike Schilt from the, the players and the staff. How have you uh, watched you know, Mike Schilt in these ne- these first couple of days, you know, kind of run things. And, you know, I know there has been a little bit of a difference. There's multiple ways to coach. I mean, obviously, Bob Melvin's a little bit more calm, cool and collected, and, and Mike Schilt has a little bit more energy. But how have the players responded to Mike Schilt so far in, in camp? And, you know, what, what's, what's been the, uh, what's been the, the narrative and the, and the, and the vibe when it comes from the coaching staff to the players so far? Yeah, I, I think for me, one thing I've certainly noticed, and, and I said this yesterday to Ben and Woods, and that's not to say that Bob Melvin was not, you know, in a lot of different places at a lot of, a lot of different times around the complex, but I, I do find Mike Schilt is everywhere around here. Like from morning until afternoon, if there's a backfield with something going on, Mike Schilt is there. And that's even at, you know, 2, 3 o'clock earlier this week, when there's a group of minor leaguers taking ground balls back on the you know field behind uh, the main one to the right of the uh, to the right of the bullpen mound, getting very intricate into into uh, where different fields are, but it, it's kind of off the the beaten path, if you will. And he's out there, so that certainly stood out to me the way that he is just sort of everywhere, and that really falls in line with a what we've heard about Mike Schilt entering this season. And be what players have said. He, he's somebody who is very detail-oriented, wants you know guys to be both efficient and effective with their time, with the way they're preparing. So you know, look again. It was some you know Mike Schilt when he was first hired, and, and Braden. I'm sure you heard many of the same things. You know what I heard about Mike was that he was extremely detail-oriented and about fundamentals, and you certainly get that sense the way he's out there the way he's communicating constantly uh, with coaches and his players, and he's constantly involved in conversations. You can see it. You can really, really see it. And, um, you know, that, that attention to detail and, and sort of that player development background, um, I, I think so far has really stood out to me. Sam Levitt joining us on the hotline here on 97.3 The Fan, pre- and post-game show host of the Padres Radio Network, live at spring training. Again, we mentioned today is the day that everybody reports who are the Padres expected to uh, see today that they haven't seen yet and uh, who is still trying to get their way to camp via visas because that always seems to be a, uh, a thing for, for a lot of Major League Baseball clubs. Yeah, well, as far as the visas, um, as, as far as a, a couple of days ago when we last heard from Mike Schilt on Wednesday, uh, they were still working on getting both Wandy Peralta and Luis Patino here. So I don't know if we're going to have an update on that today. In fact, I'm just I'm reading some of the tea leaves here by looking at who's throwing bullpens today. Um, I'm doing this in real time. 
I don't see uh, Peralta or Patino on these, but that does not necessarily mean they're not here. So we'll have more on that coming up later today because they could be here and just not throwing if they're, it's their first day in camp. So I don't want to say if they're not here, but we know they were still working on it. Uh, you know, as, as far as a couple of days ago, um, as far as guys who are here, uh, look, we, we hadn't seen Xander Bogarts here yet. And I'm not saying that in any, you know, in any kind of uh, negative way, I think. Don't have know, to report till Friday, of, man. It's just because you show yeah, up early, well, you don't have well, to show right, up that's, early. That's fine. No, no. And that's, and that, and that's what I'm saying. And I know this time of year, there is some that gets made out of that of like, Oh, why are these guys here? And these guys aren't here. And this guy is reporting early and this guy's not. You know, I really would urge fans not to worry about that stuff because, A, there are a million reasons why guys come early or don't come early. Um, you know, and, and every player is different. And when it's September 25th, you know, and they played 150-something games, like the couple of days in February, they, they don't matter, okay? They, they just don't. And, by the way, in today's day and age, and, Braden, you know this, Guys work out everywhere. They've got facilities everywhere. So, you know, just because a guy's not here early does not mean they're not working on stuff. And, and there are a million reasons why they may get here early or, or not get here early. So uh, we had not seen Xander yet. I am positive. I haven't seen him yet, but I'm positive he'll be here today because he has to be here today uh, on the full squad uh, report date. Um, but, you know, to be honest with you, everybody else that you know, I'm, I'm not totally sure looking at a couple of the minor league non-roster invitees if they were here or not, but most of them, I mean, I've seen Graham Pauly, I've seen Nathan Martorella, I just saw Jackson Merrill walking by, I've seen Jacob Marcy, so a lot of these guys are here, and um, most of uh, the other position players on the big league side, Machado, Cronenworth, Kim, Batten, Rosario, uh, Tyler Wade, Fernando Tatis Jr., Jose Azucar, uh, Oscar Mercado, they've all been here, so Pretty much everybody's been here for at least uh, a couple of days, and uh, the, the you know the uh, the core guy that, that we haven't seen yet is Xander, but I am sure we will see him today. Last thing for you, Sam. You mentioned a lot of those young players, and obviously they're there early because they want to try to make this ball club. And any day you're in the big leagues is a good day. Uh, we've heard rumors about some of these guys being right there, ready to go. Uh, potentially to make the opening day roster. A lot of them, not a lot of experience over double A, you know, mo- most notably in Jackson Merrill and Graham Pauly and, and, and Jacob right. Marcy in particular with, you know, getting some outfield reps. And we've heard what Jackson Merrill's had to say about getting reps in center and in left field and, and, and whatever. But what have you seen? It's one thing to, uh, to say, but what have you seen with some of those young guys of, of where they're working out, what they're doing and, uh, you know, anything about, what their plan is for some of these young guys in the next couple of weeks or so? Well, look, I, I think, you know, it's very, very clear that these young prospects, at least as, as currently constructed this roster, you know, and, and obviously there, there may be moves coming. We'll see. I think a lot of us would still be surprised that there isn't a move or two still to come. But right now, I think these prospects, when you talk about a guy like Jackson Merrill in particular, is going to have a real opportunity to make this team. And he is working out and left. He's working out in center. Uh, um, he's been taking ground balls on the infield. So he is doing exactly what, uh, you know, he talked about and what you anticipated him to do. And that is work out at a number of different positions and, and be ready to, to play a number of different positions. But I do think the idea of Jackson Merrill playing you know, the outfield, 
early this season is a real possibility, and they are going to work him out in that way. Um, look, I think they're trying to increase the versatility of a number of these guys. I'll give you a really good example. Graham Pauley, you know, is somebody who has played a number of different positions, and then the other day, you know, he's he's taking ground balls at first base. He's never played first base, and I'm not saying they're trying to convert him into a first baseman, but I did think it was a good example of a guy in spring training, and I don't want to read too much into it. It's mid-February, but, you know, trying to increase his versatility. And could that be a scenario where the Padres are saying, well, you know what, if Paulie hits and he's ready to hit major league pitching, let's, you know, give him a first baseman's mitt and and see if he can play over there and, and add what he could bring to this roster. So, look, I think right now is currently constructed. Um, you know, I think these prospects are very much being looked at in a serious way. Um, I think there will be competition and, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. And obviously a lot could change. If there are trades, if there are free agent signings, I think that's the wild card, as we all know right now uh, here at spring training, is that, you know, there's still a lot that could happen, not just here with the Padres, but really across the board, across the sport. But there's no doubt in my mind that the idea of Merrill or Pauly, um, you know, being somebody who could really impress here and make this team, I don't think it's a far-fetched idea. I think the Padres are taking it seriously, and I think it is a major storyline to watch here at spring training, and we'll see how it all shakes out. Well, uh, who are we expected to uh, hear from today, Sam? Mm, well, you know, it's funny. The, the first handful of days here at spring training, I, I try to keep to – uh, the the kind of the formal media scrums that guys do just because I have so much time to talk to them separately, at least, you know, as far as putting them on camera and recording them and things like that. Uh, so as far as like guys who I think will talk generally today to the media, uh, I would assume pretty good chance that Xander Bogarts will considering, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be here uh, with media here for the first time today. Um, so I, I put a pretty good bet on, on him, you know, hearing from him today and uh, we'll hear from Mike Schilt, obviously, as we do every day, and then uh, we'll see who else uh, talks. So, you know, the, the beauty of spring training is that every day is sort of a blank canvas, and you never quite know uh, who you're going to hear from and, and what you're going to get. But uh, I would stay tuned, obviously, to all the uh, 97.3 The Fan social media channels, uh, and uh, you will find out, along with uh, lots of very good video as well, as uh, this team prepares for the season. Very early still, but... Uh, a lot going on here. A lot of good storylines, no doubt. Yeah, good stuff as always, Sam. Really appreciate the time, and uh, we'll let you get to work. Can't wait to go follow it on social media today. All right, Braden. Good work uh, filling in for Ben and Woods, and uh, I will talk to you later. All right, that's Sam Levitt again reporting for us live from Peoria, Arizona, where all the players are reporting today. Should be seeing Xander Bogarts roll through those doors in Peoria very shortly, and hopefully he does talk to the media today. I would imagine, I would assume so too, just because he's one of the stars that hasn't met with the media yet because he hasn't been there. Uh, and be looking forward to seeing what he's got to say about the season coming up for the San Diego Padres. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get back into some Padres baseball. I was going to ask Sam this question, but I might ask you guys this question instead that involves the Padres and spring training. I'll ask it when we come back on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 729 on a Friday morning. Getting you ready for a three-day weekend. How many of you in the chat have a three-day weekend? Are we the only ones? How many people take President's Day off? Is that a national holiday? Does everybody take that day off? Or is that hit and miss? I can't remember. I don't remember getting that day. Maybe I used to get that day off from school. I can't. I don't really. I don't really know. But I we have the day off on Monday. There will be no live local programming on Monday. We will be live and local on Sunday morning from 8 to 10, the Brayton Sopranit Show. And again, if you're just hearing me for the first time, I am hosting. I host on the weekends every Sunday from 8 to 10 getting you some pot on the weekend instead of the usual national radio that talks about a lot of things that don't matter to us here in San Diego. So I'll keep you updated on Padre stuff. I promised Adam a full Daytona 500 preview on Sunday. I'm kidding. I'm not actually going to do that. But we'll have a lot to talk about on Sunday as well when it comes to San Diego Padres, Aztec basketball. They got a huge game tonight against New Mexico. This has been one Aztec fans been waiting for for a while, especially the last time they played New Mexico here at Viejas Arena. So Viejas might blow the top off tonight at 7 o'clock. You can watch that game on Fox Sports 1. I did want to mention, we talked about we're not playing Take on Woods today. He's out sick. Take on Woods is brought to you by Valvoline Instant Oil Change. It only takes 15 minutes. You don't have to get out of your car. For directions and discounts, go to SoCalOilChange.com. That's SoCalOilChange.com. Thanks again for all of you guys joining us on the YouTube chat. We are live on Twitter. We are on Instagram. On my Instagram account, we are on YouTube, of course. And we are also now on Twitch. We're live on Twitch. I don't know how many of you are on Twitch following us. But thanks again if you're tuning in live from Twitch. We really appreciate that. I didn't ask the question to Sam. I was going to. I forgot. But we haven't really talked about this week. I don't know if Ben and Woods talked about this. And I don't know if Andy and Elson are going to talk about it later. How do we feel about the new jerseys in baseball? Have you guys seen them? Nike contracted amounts of fanatics. They look so cheap. They look super cheap. They're like iron-ons. They look like Little League uniforms. I can't believe it. I mean, I can because, you know, Major League Baseball can't get out of their own way. I guess it's for performance. I mean, if the players like wearing them because they're comfortable, so be it. But they do. Yeah, Balsamic, Balsamic Vinny in the chat. They look like stadium giveaway. Yeah, they do. They kind of They kind of do look like that. You know, it's not stitched anymore. That was the cool part about the jerseys. Like, buy your own jersey to pay that $350 replica jersey, right? Got to make sure it's stitched. Well, you know it's you know it's authentic. It's stitched. 
Now it just looks like a bunch of iron-ons. Miles Michaelis was heated about this. He was super heated. I've only seen one positive player comment on the jerseys. And it was like it was like a uh, staged video for like a marketing standpoint. It was Jason Hayward of the Dodgers. He was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of comfortable. I, I like it, like the loose fit, and it's breathable. Come on, dude. Nobody's buying it. Nobody else likes them. They do look. They look like iron-on jerseys. It looks terrible. I can't believe Major League Baseball is like, these are going to be great. And then you know it's bad when Rob Manfred's like, well, you know, they're 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 great. They're going to be breathable jerseys, and players are going to love them. I don't know how many players that love them right now. I'm going to have to ask again. I'm going to have to ask Sammy again what, what the players think about the jerseys. I think they look bad. Like, what are the City Connect jerseys going to look like for the Padres? I like the stitch. I think the stitch is nice for Major League Baseball. I don't like this. I, I just use it. Looks like a travel ball. It looks like travel ball jerseys. Or like you know what it looks like? It looks like men's softball jerseys that they get. Want to go play in softball tournaments on the weekends? It's like somebody made a knockoff of the Major League Baseball teams for a softball jersey. Terrible. I'm not getting a lot of good comments either on it in the chat. Nike dropped the ball. Stupid plastic iron-on style logos. Look like bootleg jerseys. That's what they look like. They look like men's softball jerseys you see at the at the Poway and Santee Sportsplex on a on a weeknight. I I don't like them. It's it's a bad look. Well, maybe maybe I got to get used to them, but I just I can't imagine those those flying for the entire season. Somebody said the authentics cost like three hundred fifty bucks in the chat. Is that true? That's a lot for a jersey that looked like you got it from one of those off brands, off market sites that Major League Baseball doesn't like you buying jerseys from. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. We got more Padres news when we come back. I how is this outfield gonna shape? We know where Fernando's playing. We don't really know where anybody else is playing in the outfield. Padres do have some options, but they probably need to go find somebody. How will the Padres outfield shape up around Fernando Tatis Jr.? We'll answer that question when we come back on 97.3 The Fan. 7.41 on a Friday morning, leading you into a three-day weekend. Think of too many answers on how many people got Monday off. I got Monday off. I got a much-needed Monday off after a work of a weekend of working, but it's going to be fun. I'm going to spend my entire Saturday at USD. I'm going to have a Sunday at USD, but get some good work in for the weekend and then have a nice little off day on Monday. Brayton Suprenit filling in for Ben and Woods. Ben and Woods are sick today. They will be out until Tuesday as we will not have any shows coming up on Monday for the President's Day holiday weekend. And hopefully Ben and Woods can be back and ready to go coming up on Tuesday because they were really down down and out yesterday after their show and actually like really through most of their show. So hopefully they get a speedy recovery. Thanks again for joining us this morning. Thanks to all of you that are live on YouTube, that are following us on Twitter, on Instagram, 
wherever you may be finding our feed, also on Twitch as well and Facebook. If you want to follow me on social media, at B underscore S-U-R-P. If you want to check me out on all social media platforms, including TikTok, be sure to drop a follow. Thanks again for tuning in to the show. I will be back on Sunday with the Braden Soprenit Show, which happens each and every Sunday from 8 to 10 in the morning. So thanks again for all of you for joining us. We're going to talk about the Padres outfield and the multiple ways that the Padres could potentially line up the outfield with Fernando Tatis Jr. in right. But first, we need to take a look at your daily commute on a Friday. Here's Kelly Danik with Traffic. Uh, just to clarify, for a lot of people that are freaking out in the chat, I will not be on Andy Nelson today. Adam will. So Adam's working overtime today. And then my Saturday gig with USD has nothing to do with the station. So no overtime there. I'll just be back on Monday or on Sunday. So I'm good, guys. It's okay. But it's fun. You never work a day in your life when... You do what you love, and I'm doing what I love. And thanks again for you guys for making that possible by watching us, by listening to me. I really appreciate all of that. Let's talk some more Padres baseball. Today is the day in which the Padres will have all of their position players, pending any visas, which is always a thing. Major League Baseball is a very international product. So depending on... Visas and getting back to the United States for some players. Everybody is expected to be back at camp today. Which means we could talk a little bit more about some of these position players. We could talk about the outfield. And in doing a phenomenal job, like he always does in A.J. Casaville, he laid out yesterday, how will the Padres shape the outfield around Fernando Tatis Jr. It's a great article on Padres.com. And he lays out the five potential avenues for the San Diego Padres. We're going to take a deeper dive into that. After Fernando talked to the media this week, it's come to the conclusion, I think a lot of people have come to the conclusion, reading the tea leaves, he ain't going to be playing center field for the Padres. I'm curious to see if they still give him reps in center field because I think in the future the Padres are at their best with their most athletic player in the middle of the field. But as Fernando alluded to in his conversation with Mike Schilt, with A.J. Preller, it feels like playing right field is a little bit more important this year than playing center field. Craig Elston asked Tony Gwynn Jr. about that as we were leaving the show yesterday. What's more difficult to play? What's more important to play at Petco Park for the Padres? To a guy that's done it. I mean, our resident Major League outfielder, Tony Gwynn Jr., who has played at Petco Park, who has played in the division, who has played in almost every place in Major League Baseball anyway, said it really depends on who's playing center field what position is more difficult. And he said, if you got a guy like Trent Grisham out there, you know he could play center field, then you know right field is a little bit easier. But when you don't know who's playing center field, or maybe it is a younger guy, all of a sudden right field becomes a lot more important. Which could be reading the tea leaves again about what they might do in center field in the future. Maybe they are going to put somebody young out there. So let's talk about the outfield. Again, Fernando Tatis Jr. made it sound like he's playing right field this year. Doesn't really sound like he's going to be playing center field all too much. 
I do think it'd be nice to give him a look at that. But it doesn't sound like he will be playing center field. Sorry to butt in here for just a second. I know you want to focus on the outfield, but I have a question for you. Do you think Fernando Tatis Jr. plays outfield for the rest of his career? Not I'm not uh, talking about right field or center. I'm talking about is he an outfielder the rest of his career or do you think he ever moves back to short? I don't think he ever moves back to short because I don't because the Padres have shortstops under contract for a long period of time. I mean, the only way he moves back to shortstop would have to be like five or six years down the road, assuming he's still a Padre, which I would imagine he is. And then Xander's at first. And they need a shortstop. But then it's like, but then you get Jackson Merrill too. I, I just, I don't, I don't really see him ever playing shortstop again. I could see him playing infield at the end of his career when he's a lot older. And he's fun to watch at shortstop. But he's probably going to be an outfielder for the remainder of time. At least in his Padres career. So he's going to play right field. There won't spend too much more time on that. So there's a couple of things of how you're going to lay out center field and left field. And Cassavell, AJ Cassavell lays it out in five steps. AJ Preller looking for upgrades, which they are. Jerickson Profar has arrived. Jackson Merrill in the mix. Other prospects will, prospects will get a serious look too. And again, Fernando Tatis Jr. is almost certainly bound for right field. We're not going to spend too much time on number five because we already know that Fernando is going to play right field. But the things that are interesting are one, two, three, and four. Starting with number one, AJ Pellers is still looking for upgrades. That is the number one priority for the Padres, in my opinion. They need to make some upgrades in the outfield. They need to bring in some veterans, at least one veteran major league outfielder. Now, I don't know if you can find him in center field or not. You know, I know Michael A. Taylor is still available. You know, maybe they do a trade. Maybe they can go get a trade for a guy like Jaron Duran. I know that name's been thrown out there a little bit. But you know that Jerickson Profar, who we're going to get to in a second, is not going to be starting in center field. And you know, Fernando Tati Jr. is not going to start in center field. So you really need to go find a center fielder, which is harder to find, especially since most of the free agents that are available are players that are usually older. There's not a lot of young players available on the free agent market. Most of those players are still under contract or during, still in arbitration. And you want a younger player in center field to, to roam a lot of large outfields in the National League West. National League West is a lot easier to handle in terms of outfield than it is in other sports. That's why, like, Jaron Duran, who's not that great of an outfielder, at least statistically, I think would actually thrive a lot better at Petco Park and in the National League West than he did in the AL East. Again, our resident outfielder of the station is Tony Gwynn Jr. He's played in both the National League East and the National League West. And he said playing in the East is a lot more difficult than playing in the West, especially with all of the stadium dimensions. Same thing could be said about the American League East with all of their weird stadium canvases. So that might be a play for the Padres, Jaron Duran. But we'll see what the Padres decided to do. In the article, A.J. Preller, or sorry, A.J. Cassville, mentions that A.J. Preller spoke in the media on Tuesday and revealed that he's been active in the trade market, more active than usual for this time of year. 
as San Diego could also use starting pitching in a first base uh, first base DH type. But Preller has acknowledged that the outfield is his top priority. Here's the quote directly from AJ Preller: "We're going to continue to add to the outfield mix. We like some of the competition we have in camp currently, but that's an area we have had some ongoing conversation with both the free agent and trade market. That needs to be the way that they." really fill out this roster, in my opinion. As for Jerickson Profar, he's number two on this list of how the Padres are going to shape the outfield around Fernando Tatis Jr. I do want to mention Jerickson Profar. I like the fact that Profar's back. As Craig likes to say, for the vibes, I think he brings more than just vibes. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good turn guy in the batting order if he bats ninth. But I also think he's a spot starter on most teams or a guy coming off the bench. I don't think a lot of playoff World Series teams have jerks and Profar starting. I really don't. And I like jerks and Profar. And the fact that he's only going to cost you a million dollars I think is huge. I think there is some something to be said about players feeling comfortable in their environment, and that's why Jerks and Profar has done so much better in San Diego than he has in other parts of Major League Baseball. Didn't have that great of a year last year in Colorado. Very hitter-friendly ballpark. But I feel like he's more comfortable here, and I think that goes a long way for the Padres. But if he is starting every day in left field, I'm not as excited for the start of the season as I would be if he was the fourth outfielder. Now, beggars can't be choosers. It's not like we can go get Cody Bellinger, right? I mean, we have to understand the context of the situation. But I still think the Padres could find spots where they can have Jerickson Profor be their fourth outfielder. And if he's their fourth outfielder, my level of excitement for the season goes from a five, maybe to a six. Maybe bumps up the notch a little bit. But as talked about before, it sounds like he's going to be used as a fourth outfielder. So... He's not going to be in the starting lineup. Don't expect him to be an everyday starter. Just fine. Jackson Merrill's in the mix. This is where, I mean, I can spend a whole segment on this. I think if you're going to have Jackson Merrill get outfield reps, now is obviously the perfect time. Is in spring training. This is where you teach guys a different position. This is where you get them comfortable in a different position. The guy's a shortstop by trade. So he's obviously one of the more athletic players in Major League Baseball at least in organizations, right? Your shortstop's the most athletic player on the team. More times than not. And the Padres have loaded up on a lot of shortstops, which is good and bad to a sense of like you're trying to find places for them to play. The good part is, is Jackson Merrill is young and is going to be able to learn how to play outfield during spring training, which I think is great. I mean, if they just here's here's where I differed on on some things. Because people are like, "Well, you didn't really want him in the outfield before." Here here's the deal: if he's going to play outfield at all, he needs to start doing it now in spring training. I still think he should be getting shortstop reps. I still think he needs to be you know kind of that versatile player. And it sounds like the Padres are going to be doing that with a lot of their players. We heard that from Sam Levitt earlier at seven o'clock. But Jackson Merrill. I'm a little interested in him playing center field. I think that's intriguing. I don't necessarily know if I want him in left, but in center field, I could buy that a little bit more. Again, he hasn't played a lot above double A. So is he going to be able to hit at the major league level? We don't know yet. The one thing I'll say about Jackson Merrill, and it could go with Jacob Marcy and Graham Pauly, is unless 
They are going to be everyday starters in Major League Baseball. They cannot be on this Major League roster. I'm going to say that again. Unless Merrill, Marcy, and Pauly, I'm roping them all in together. Unless they are everyday starters, they should not be on this team to start the regular season. Because if they're on the team and they're just coming off the bench, you're limiting their development and they're going to start getting, let's say, rusty, but you're really hampering what they could potentially be when they could be out there in the minor leagues getting every day at bats. I'm really curious to see what the Padres do in the outfield. I think those guys are, in fact, in the mix. They've said it during the mix. Jackson Merrill excites me more in center field. Tatis, Merrill, Tommy Pham? It's not bad. Profar off the bench? I could live with that. Something around those lines might be in the works. You never know with trades either. Hour number three starts next. We're going to talk about more Padres baseball. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 